in all the history of warfare of all mankind since there has ever been war, there has never been and never will be again a general who prepared his warriors in the way that Joshua prepared his warriors for battle. Never before, never again. After marching nearly two million Jews across the River Jordan, the fighting core of that, the warriors, ranked about 250 million. No, no, back that off, 250,000. That would be a better number. A quarter of a million warriors were ready to fight. They were surrounded by Amorites to the north and Canaanites to the west. They were right next to a major city. They were really surrounded on enemy territory. And Joshua is told by the Lord to make flint knives and circumcise them, the warriors. Now, think about that. I I envision William Wallace the great liberator of Scotland, as he stands before his men and rides his horses in full battle array with the the paint all over his face. And he says, men, today we free Scotland. Are you ready to fight the English? Yeah, yeah. Are you ready to, to take back Scotland? Yeah. All right, men, offer your horses and up with your kilts. Today, I'm going to circumcise you. (laughs) Wallace has lost his mind. I don't know about you, I'm going home. Forget that mess. (laughs) You cripple the man for several days. I was going to ask for volunteers this morning, but I'm sure I won't get any. We'll put that away. But visualize it i got to get away from my Scottish accent. Is it always... Amazing. Amazing. Circumcision is a two-part word. It means around and to cut. Uh, It is obviously performed on a male baby normally in eight days, but this time it was 250 thousand warriors in enemy territory. I came across some fun stuff on the internet, I thought, to lighten the mood a little bit. There's Moses on the hill. I'll just let you read that. I rarely, I rarely do this for one or two in the congregation, puts up, but I have put this in honor of Doug and Alex, who's not here. You'll have to tell Alex. But I also found this was kind of fascinating. Legos. Legos being circumcised. Here is the Legos after the circumcision. (laughs) If you could picture the warriors there. So you'll have to, you know, tell Doug don't ever, you know, miss a service because you just don't know what you're going to get. I got to get away from that. Okay, here we go. I won't get you back if I do. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Joshua chapter 5. Circumcision is really all through the Bible. And it's more than the physical act that God commanded Abraham to circumcise his servants. 
even back, there's a spiritual component to it. Even back in Exodus, the Lord talks about being circumcised in your heart. Jeremiah talks about the uncircumcision of the heart. When Peter preached in Acts, I'm sorry, Stephen preached in Acts, he got to the end of the sermon and the Jews were just like this with him. And he said, oh, you uncircumcised in heart. We're going to go to the New Testament in a minute, but there is absolutely a spiritual reason why these men were incapacitated for several days. Let's read about it, Joshua chapter 5. I need to clarify the Amorites and the Canaanites from last week before we move into verse 2. The kings of the Amorites, uh, they didn't come from Noah. They came actually from Lot, Lot's younger daughter. You remember they got, Lot had two daughters after the judgment uh, of fire. And uh, they got Lot drunk and slept with him, and they both had children. The older sister gave birth to what became the Moabites, and the younger sister, the Amorites. I find it interesting that, as we look at that, the god of the Amorites was the fire god. He was a fire god, which kind of is interesting since... The entire family was wiped out by the fire of God as, as Sodom and Gomorrah were judged. Um, the Canaanites came from Canaan, which was the grandson of Noah, who joined Ham as they entered the tent of Noah when he was, again, drunk. And uh, something happened, possibly with Canaan, and his grandfather that was immoral, Ham came in and covered his father up, but something occurred because when Noah came to, he said, I know what you have done. And it was Canaan that he cursed. It's interesting that the God of the Canaanites is Baal, the God of fertility, the God of sexual immorality. Interesting, isn't it? They come from that. Now, side note, because I think I messed up the history last week. Look at verse 2. At that time, when, and the time was when the entire nation was, had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. Now, he's going to explain that because it isn't the second time that he circumcised these men. It would be their first time. But it would be the second time for the nation of Israel corporately to be circumcised. And I like Joshua's commentary here. It kind of explains what happened. So let's kind of read through it together. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. 
Now, circumcision was God's mark upon the Jewish nation that marked out those people for himself. I find that fascinating. It was a very personal thing, physically. It was something that would remind the men every day, sometimes several times a day, of their markedness with God. It was personal. It was private. And yet it marked the people out as belonging to God. But as they wandered, the babies born in that wilderness had not been marked with that right. Notice verse 6. For all the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished. Why did they perish in the wilderness? Rather than to go into the promised land? Because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. And the Lord swore to them that they would not see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. So there you have it. Everybody who refused to believe God and go into that promised land went out into the wilderness for 40 years. They died. God swore not one of those men will go into rest. Not one of those men will enter. I will raise up a new generation with open hearts and open minds to understand that the victory is the Lord's and that they'll enter into no strength to it. That when they go into the promised land, they understand, I have given you the land. And you will not fight with your strength to get it. They didn't believe. Notice verse 7. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that God, that Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised, because they had not been circumcised in the way. Now, let's talk about the spiritual significance. We're going to go to Colossians in just a few minutes. The spiritual significance of circumcision is this. That God, in order to use us, must cut back our strength. He must show us that we cannot do it. Everything that arises out of God arises out of death into life. Into our recognition that we cannot be saved. Our recognition and and admitting, I cannot live the Christian life. Until we come to the end of ourselves and there is a cutting that goes on, we cannot go on with God. People are not saved because they don't see the need to be saved. They're good people. They could please God in their efforts. It's not until we realize we're lost and undone and we can do nothing to get to God that we finally admit that we need Him. For believers, 
until you come to the end of yourself where you will not try anymore to please Christ and rest in his sufficiency as your life, then he begins to work. That's a hard deal. That's a big hurdle to get over. I didn't read a word because I only want to have to pronounce it once. And I want you to look at it in verse 3. I'll do my best. Verse 3 says, So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gilbreth, Herloth. Best we'll get this morning. The Hebrew for that word is a hill of foreskins. Picture that in your mind. A long conveyor of warriors that are circumcised. It is a hill of foreskins. Therein is man's strength. Therein is the best we can do. Boil it all down, the strength and power of man, and it's nothing but wiltering flesh. You see the spiritual picture there? See the power of that? The Jews had no problem visualizing these things. The Jews had no problem piling this up and looking at it and understanding this is what we can do. This is my effort. This is my power. This is my flesh, wiltering and dried and dying. Go to Colossians. Go to Colossians, if you will. Colossians chapter 2 in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 2 in the New Testament. And let's see the spiritual significance of circumcision in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 2, there's a warning about philosophies and world and religions and making Christianity something of man's traditions rather than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 2, I'll, I'll begin at verse 8. Paul warns them, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elementary spirits of the world, notice, and not according to Christ. Be careful, don't allow your Christianity to be hijacked by those who would teach you that through your efforts you'll advance. Get pulled into a religion that that rates you on your life rather than fully embracing grace that brings us into the presence of Christ. The gospel is simple. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. It is our understanding That when we were saved, we were buried with him. You say, well, preacher, you tell me that every week. I will tell you that every week until the Lord comes back because that's the gospel. And to get away from that and into human reasoning and understanding how things work rather than the mystery of the spiritual amazing feet of God. We were buried with him. We were rose to newness of life. We were cut off, if you will. You know, the Jews, when they were circumcised, 
Four days later, they, they did the Passover. We'll get to it in a couple weeks. Four days later. Four. It was always four days from the choosing of the lamb to be slaughtered. Four days. Four days of examination. In the Bible, four is the number for the earth. This earth. There are four directions. There are four, four stamped over everything. There are four seasons. Ever wonder why we have four seasons? Now, James Taylor would tell us it starts with the winter. You know, winter, spring, summer, fall. He did that because all you got to do is call, because call rhymes with fall. I think he's just starting the summer. I'm, I'm fall, the fall. You're starting the fall, but you end with the summer, and nothing rhymes with summer but funner or bummer or something like that. God has four seasons. Now, whether there were seasons in the Garden of Eden, we don't know. If there were, they weren't very extreme. But since the fall of man, and really the flood when it came down, our seasons became quite dramatic. You know, the stars in the sky, the the, the constellations spell off the gospel. Do you know that? I think the four seasons spell off the gospel. We fell into sin. When we fell into sin, there was the deadness of winter. Life was gone. The trees were bare. But then, the spring arrived. When everything sprung to newness of life, when was Christ crucified? In the spring of the year. And because of that spring, we live eternity in a summer of God's glory and and presence. That's why Jesus said, unless something dies, it abides alone. But if a seed dies in the ground, life comes out of that. It's the whole principle of cutting and cutting and cutting and the circumcision. Notice in Colossians, it goes on, in him, in him, in Christ, for in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him. King James says, and you are complete in him. Who is the head of all rule and authority. Notice verse 11. In him, in Christ, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Now how do you circumcise without hands? Only God can do that. Only God can do something without his hands. God circumcised us with a circumcision made without hand by putting off, notice, the body of flesh. By cutting us off to the carnal nature, the sin. Notice, by the circumcision of Christ. What happened to those Jews, those warriors, is before they ever marched to Jericho, they had to know that the victory was all God's and not theirs. And God cut them, and they bled, and they were incapacitated to show them that they are always incapacitated in the fight. 
always. You know, the Bible says we're cut off by the cross of Jesus Christ in several areas. First of all, he has separated. We have died with Christ. We have been separated from flesh. We have been separated from this world. We have been separated from Satan. But I think this particular circumcision had to do with the fourth. Listen very carefully. We have been we have been crucified to the law. No longer do we put forth effort to live the Christian life. The law says if you do this, he'll do that. If you do this, he'll do that. Grace says he's done everything. You don't have to try anymore. When we abide in the vine, Fruit is the overflow. It's just the way it is. Give you a couple things. These truths, the truth of our circumcision with Christ, the truth of our burial and resurrection with Him, are not truths that speak to your experience. They're not. We are to experience them, but we are, they are greater than our experience. Do you remember the tabernacle in the desert? That tent that the Jews built. Do you remember the intricate detail of the tabernacle? Do you remember over and over again, God said this, just like it's up in heaven, make it on earth. Just like it's up there, building. I'm talking dimensions, I'm talking fabric, I'm talking tassels, I'm talking stakes. They had to be a certain length, they had to be a certain thickness. It had to match what's up in heaven. That tells me there's a real tabernacle there, and the tent that the Jews created was to be exactly like that one. Now, I'd have been the wrong guy to put in charge of that mission. I'm not a person of details. My tabernacle would have not looked like that tabernacle. But God insisted that it did. Because the reality is there. The shadow is here. But he wanted the shadow and the experience of that to be real. Plato, that uh, great Greek philosopher, had had an idea that everything that was down here in a perfect world somewhere out there had a copy. In other words, the pew that's right before me, exact color and fabric and, and everything, that that physical matter somewhere out there in a perfect world had a match to it. That was Plato's philosophy. He was kind of half right. Kind of. Not with the pew. But the real stuff of life, what Christ has done for us, its place is up in heaven. Its place is solid. Now, that's truth. That's truth. That's what you hang your hat on. That's what you know. You don't believe these things in order to make them true. These are true whether you believe them or not. You don't benefit a bit. We live in a day of of, of relativism, meaning everybody's truth is equal. 
is the idea of a chocolate ice cream cone. You give it to 12 guys. And one guy says, because he tasted it and looked at it and said, huh, this is a chocolate ice cream cone. Well, you give the other 11 chocolate ice cream cones and they all bite it and one says, oh, this is, this is good, this is vanilla. And the next guy says, oh, this is, this is pistachio, I like this. And down the line, everybody's got a different flavor. Well, the guy in front of all of those goes, everybody's right. Because whatever you think it is, it is. I'm not going to criticize your opinion of, does that sound stupid to you? There's only one truth in all the world, it's the truth of Jesus Christ. There's only one reality in the fact that he has died for us and has created an ability for us to go to be with him and to live that life that comes down to us. Number two, they are based in the reality of heaven. The circumcision of Christ where he has cut you off from the flesh, cut you off from the law, cut you off from death, cut you off from sin, cut you off from the Satan, cut you off from the world, that reality is there. If you base it on experience, you'll never experience it. If you base what's here on there, you will begin to experience it. The reality is there. And lastly, how do you enter in? You enter in by faith. You simply believe that to be true. Now, the Jews who got circumcised had a literal three or four days that they were hurting, and they weren't going to fight anybody. They just kind of camped out and got ready for the Passover. How strange of God in his ways. How strange of God. How strange are those 250,000 men that nobody complained, well, at least not outwardly. What are you doing? What are you doing? You think they, you think they talked about the boss? Oh, yeah, they talked about the boss in the tents. But they had to learn because they were going to go to Jericho and they were going to walk around that city seven times for seven days. They were going to lift a finger. They were going to blow a big horn and the whole wall was going to come tumbling down. Nobody fights like that. In the spiritual realm, sin is no match for any of us. The world is no match for any of us. The victory is in Jesus Christ. The victory is in the cutting away that Christ has already cut away in our hearts. Isn't that beautiful?